This is David Pizarro from Cornell University, co-host of the Very Bad Wizards podcast, and I never listened to I Doubt It with Dolomore. I also never smoke crack. That's the stuff. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 692 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, joined today by the lovely, talented, scholarly Brittany Page. So you did a little bit of a, I mean, I don't want to call it cheating, but you did go on another podcast. <laughs> and Cheating. Don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> But it was with um, Ian and Ian's brother, who's apparently kind of a dick, Jonathan. (laughs) He's a dick. Just, I mean, I learned that from listening to the episode. I didn't know that before. Wish I had known it before. Was breaking news to me that I learned on the episode. This just in, everybody. So that was good information to have. No, I'm kidding. Why? Why? I'm, I'm, I mean, other than the fact that he refers to himself as Jonathan rather than John. Well, no, it's just that he apparently tweeted something and I thought it was a genuine call for information and he meant it as sarcastic. And then everyone talked about how nice I am. I'm so nice, which I started to feel like meant stupid after a while. You say nice so much that you start to think, hmm, <laughs> what's really being said here? No. We love Ian. We've had Ian on the show. Wait, for- wait, you're, 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 you're immediately transitioning from prying open Jonathan's <laughs> mouth and taking a big runny dump into it to with no like, a, oh, no, I'm just joking around. It was a good time. Blah, blah, blah. You go, no, we really love Ian. Ian's <laughs> no. fucking fantastic. Well, I'm getting there. It's we love Ian. And we've had Ian on the show, as Ian said on his show, Save He's, Us from the Johns. We rarely call him. We call him Team Ian at Team Ian. At Team Ian. Yeah. He, we, we have been internet friends, as he said, for years. And if he says his brother is cool, then I agree. His brother is cool. It's just he... Kind of seemed like a dick, but I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because he's close to Ian. He is Ian's brother that it's fine. You're just assuming they're close. They seem close on the show. They seem close. making a joke because neither one of us have those familial bonds. Mm -hmm. And they seem to have normal uh, fraternal relationship. It is. It's nice to see. It's a fun show. The show is called Save Us from the Johns, Mm -hmm. and it's specifically a critique on Pod Save America. Yes. And the the gentlemen who run that program. Yeah, and I think you pointed this out, Jesse, that you don't necessarily dislike or think poorly of the men who run Pod Save America. It's just that you feel as though they could be using their platform, which is a substantial platform. Oh, my God. Could be using it for more good than they currently are using it for. 
Yeah, I mean, now it's just, you know, they they have pom-poms surgically uh, affixed to their hands and they raw-raw Democrat Party rather than really doing the, the, the soulful work to better the country by the mechanism of their show and their influence on the Democratic Party. So I wonder how much of that is they're wanting to maintain connections with prominent figures within the Democratic Party, like wanting to maintain access. And yeah. if you are too critical, if you're hypercritical, then you're going to lose some of that access. I'm yeah. not trying to. No, I think that's, that's probably some of it, but I would just push back on them. They are powerful figures within the Democrat. They are that person that you're thinking they're trying to sidle up to. I mean, he was, they were sp- speechwriters for Obama. They weren't coffee boys like George Papadopoulos. Yeah, I'm talking about elected officials, though. Being able to have elected officials on your show, maintain connections with yeah. elected officials. That's the kind of power I'm talking about. I understand their power is still substantial, but it's it's different than that. And I think once you get to a certain level, you start maybe giving up on some of your values just to maintain certain connections and to hold on to that power. I'm not saying that's necessarily what they're doing. No, I think so. I think, I think it's not, maybe not easy, but it's certainly understandable, not justified, but under, it's an understandable thing that you get, you kind of get lost in the game of politics and everything else rather than how it really affects everyday people, working people who are struggling yeah. So Ian and his brother Jonathan, who seems like a very kind and genuine man, um, they have this podcast, Save Us from the Johns, and you should definitely subscribe and check it out. Listen to Jesse's interview. And it was, it was a fun listen. It seemed like you guys had a good time. We did have a good time. And it wasn't really, I mean, obviously we talk more casually and we're talking about the episode, but we, you know, we veered off many, many times. It was a good time. Again, the show is Save Us from the Johns. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts. I would I would definitely recommend giving them a listen because they are, and all jokes aside, you know, uh, other than the fact that, you know, Jonathan is a total prick, <laughs> uh, they are very, they're, they're decent guys and uh, very smart. I mean, I don't know Jonathan's background, but Ian, you know, has a, is a graduate level degree in international relations or something like that from a, from a very prestigious university. Mm-hmm. Um, not that that really fucking matters, but I know <laughs> a lot of idiots that, you know, come at it with that pedigree. I'm sure, uh, at team Ian is happy to hear you list his accolades and I'm, then say, not that it matters, no, I'm, but I'm, I'm they only, exist. I'm only repeating what the kind of shit he says. Oh. He, he likes to, to take big runny dumps on his own. Uh, CV. I see. Well, I, I really liked the beginning of the show, actually, where you guys get into the behind the scenes of podcasting, because I think you you rarely hear about that when when people start podcasts and the struggles behind finding your voice and the fear of saying dumb stuff, wrong stuff. Yeah, yeah. That happens to me all the time. So so that really resonated with me when Jonathan talked about his own fears of saying things that are wrong or making a note to edit that out because that happens to me even with things that don't really matter. Yeah. Like yeah. I'll I'll be wrong about a number, I'll be off a little bit on a number and I'm panicking after the show like, "Oh, I read the right number and I said something wrong, you're going to have to edit it." And you're like, "Can you relax, please? <laughs> Calm down." Yeah, can you meditate or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, well, what what I what's sticking with me right now is that you are admitting 
to having a portion of the show resonate with you that was all about how the sausage is made. Wow. That's what you're telling me right now. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going deep hundreds of episodes back of your irritation with you about me and this program. And here you are. You're cheating on me. Well, my unique issue, though, is with the phrase sausage is made the way the sausage. I don't I don't like it. I don't know if we could find a different phrase. That would be great. Like donuts. I don't know. I just don't (laughs) I don't want to hear it and I don't like it. And I would prefer something else. Right on. Anyway, uh, thanks for having me on, you guys. I'm I am most certain you're listening right now. They're not. Uh, I had a good time. Jonathan probably isn't because, you know, the prickishness. But uh, Ian for sure is. Yeah. Anyway, it's Save Us from the Johns, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Give them a listen. Give them a rating and review. That's not even something they're promoting, but it certainly does help a new a new podcast. So the, the other thing I want to talk about before we move on to some voicemails is um, when I was in Washington State for the two months with my daughter and Brett number one and his lovely wife, mm-hmm. these commercials are on all the time. And, and Brett and I had a conversation about how crazy these commercials are. And there, there are those commercials with Tom Selleck pitching the, uh, the reverse mortgage. Hmm. And it seems to me that he spends more time explaining to the audience that it's not a scam than there actually is commercial. And I actually did the math on it and it's, it's almost half. One of the commercials is over a quarter of the time justifying that it's not a, this isn't a multi-level marketing scheme. You know, one of those, <laughs> yeah. you know, you have friends on your Facebook page who they spend a lot of time trying to explain that what they do isn't a pyramid scheme. Yeah. That's a red flag that what you're in is a pyramid scheme. Yeah, because you usually don't have to explain that if yeah. it's not a pyramid scheme. Exactly. So I'm going to play a couple of the of the of these moments from these commercials. And these are the beginning of the commercials. They're just, there's something off here. I know what you're thinking. I thought what you thought. Some things are just too good to be true. Just like you, I thought that reverse mortgages had to have some kind of catch. Just a way for the banks to get your house, right? Well, then I did some homework. And I found out it's not any of that. It's not another way for the bank to get your house. And it's also not too good to be true. Is that... Did you add that scary like no. horror film no. music into that commercial? No, this, this is one that I just found on YouTube. It's not one I've actually seen on TV. But this is a real AAG commercial where at the beginning it is that ominous like this is a fucking scam oh my god and then the bright like the sun shows up and it illuminates everything and he's telling you how it's not a scam wow (laughs) but here's here's the other one this one's only like 30 seconds listen to this look this isn't my first rodeo and let me tell you something i wouldn't be here if i thought reverse mortgages took advantage of any american senior or worse that it was some way to take your home it's just a loan designed for older homeowners and it's helped over a million americans a reverse mortgage loan isn't some kind of trick to take your home it's a loan like any other big difference is how you pay it back look reverse mortgages aren't for everyone but i think i've been around long enough to know what's what 
I'm proud to be a part of AAG. I trust them. I think you can too. I just He said it twice. Oh yeah, it's a lot of it's not some f- f- newfangled way to take your home. I mean, whatever the phrasing is, he repeats it the exact same way both times. They really want to drive home that message. This isn't a scam. Look, you know me. I was Magnum PI, everybody. You can <laughs> trust me. Yeah, yeah. What what is the deal with the reverse mortgage? What well, you have to be, there's a certain age qualifier. I think it's like 62 or 63 or 65. And, and then you, if you qualify, they loan you the money and then they pay you in installments. Um, you don't have to make payments. Uh-huh. They're giving you the loan against the equity you already have in your home. And then let's say, cause it's for older people. So if you die, mm. then you're, all your loved ones are on the fucking hook. Or it comes again, comes out of the, 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 the value of the home, uh, when the home is sold. Huh. So it is predatory. The USA Today did a whole thing on how it is a predatory thing. And then also, um, Dave Ramsey, who's a jackass, also is fervently against it because it's not financially sound. But, mm. you know, he, I'm sure he would also be against payday loans because they are also predatory. Any, anyway, I just, I find it funny. And I think about it from the perspective of on the set, they're like, no, 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 Tom, you really need to sell it. <laughs> really? Ne- no, 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 no. That was good. Good read, Tom. Good read. Everybody back to one. Um, we really need to sell that it's not a scam. That was yeah. good, but you didn't really drive it home <laughs> that this is, this is on the up and up. Yeah. It's, that's actually scary to think about. That's terrifying. Yeah. And they're, they are, they, they're using a guy who's, well, he's revered among this generation. It's fucking Tom Selleck, man. How much did they have to pay him to sell out like that? Mm-hmm. Maybe they give a good deal on a reverse mortgage. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, this is the show, everybody. Good times. <laughs> uh, we do want to move on to some listener communication. We've got a lot this week. This show uh, could be a four-hour show with everything that's gone on and all the different things that we're not going to talk about, Louis DeJoy related, all the other things that have happened. We're going to focus in on a couple different things. But before we do that, we want to encourage you to call in, communicate with the show, get your viewpoint on the record, ask us a question, whatever you want to do. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Hello, Jesse and Brittany. This is Doreen. Uh, just wanted to give you a call because I heard your little segment on curb couches and wanted to let you know um, I live in Charlottesville, Virginia, and, um, and yeah, for sure. Curb couches are a thing. Um, I moved around a lot, lived in um, Panama, and lived in California, um, and New York and Maryland, and let me tell you, curb catches are everywhere, and not only that, but um, if you're wondering who that person is stealthily running in um, less than 12 hours, it was my family, because when you're broke, and or even even not necessarily broke, but um, when you see when you see a piece of furniture just just sitting out there, hell yeah, um, either we fix it up and resell it, or we, or that's going to my living room. So uh, it's kind of funny. Um, I can actually afford to buy furniture now, but and I have to like resist the urge because when I was a little kid, my parents used to be like, "Shit, go grab that." 
you know, that's a nice, that's a nice coffee table. Not only that, if you want to be even more embarrassed, um, my, my parents used to, whenever we used to go to the dump, um, my dad used to, um, go out and encourage us to take whatever we wanted that we saw there. Um, my dad worked, um, a cushy job at one point and there was a lot of golfing, um, so he, Found a nice pair of golf clubs, um, and that's where he got his golf clubs. And he's no shame in telling people that those are his dump golf clubs. <laughs> so, uh, just so you know, um, I I love curb couches. Please keep leaving your furniture outside so that I can furnish my home. Um, also, I heard that people don't like your voice, Jesse. Um, look, I'm I'm a New York Italian, half New York Italian, half Korean, and let me tell you, I. I feel at home when I hear your voice uh, because we're all loud. And my mom used to tell me, your father and I, we're not fighting, we're talking. So uh, keep doing keep doing great work. You guys are amazing. Um, Jesse and Brittany, you guys are the best part. Sorry, Popeye. Um, I'm a cat person. All right. <laughs> Love you both. Uh, have a good day. That is fantastic. Doreen, thank you very much. Reminds me of... Uh, Dumpster diving. Mm -hmm. There was this one dumpster, and I don't know how we, my mom, found out about it, but it's in between my hometown and the actual big town that was like 25,000 people was the big town. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there would always be things in there that would be salvageable, I guess. And we used to make a joke about dumpster diving. Uh And that is an embarrassing... uh, an embarrassing thing. You know what the most embarrassing? She's talking about being embarrassed at picking up the furniture. When we dropped off the couch, I ran. <laughs> I ran away yeah. to get out of being seen, being the person dropping off the couch. So I can't imagine picking up a couch. It was like a scene out of what I imagined the Marine Corps was like for you. You were literally like, go, go, go. It you was, mean retreat? No. Well, you said go, go, go. Rapidly so. retreating. Yeah. And then that... That created a lot of stress within me, and I felt the need to yeah. run as well. I can't really identify with the curb couch and dumpster diving in my childhood, but m- my mom one time did have her eyes set on a winter cabbage that was planted in downtown Boise in a planter. Yeah. And she decided that she wanted them for her yard because she had seen them in a magazine and wanted them for the front yard. And so. Because they have those planters all downtown along. Along the main streets yeah. in these giant concrete planters with beautiful winter foliage or whatever in there. Yeah. And so we waited until the middle of the night and went downtown <laughs> and dug up a few winter cabbages. Uh, and, you know, they didn't transfer to the yard very well. Um, they just died. They just died. So <laughs> Hashtag raised by wolves. Did not go well, although I appreciate the effort at landscaping. Very nice. From the city of Boise or your, your mom? Both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also, thank you about the voice thing. Um, I'm, I have always been loud. I'm loud now. I'm, I'm, I'm a loud person. My, 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 my immediate family is loud. And I, I used to be reminded of it when we would go visit our grandparents, mm-hmm. my little brother's grandparents, who I just like adopted as mine. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very quiet people. And I would realize, Jesus, we're, <laughs> We're really going to town on the eardrums for these people because they don't uh, they don't go at it like we do. Yeah, yeah. I think I am loud at times, 
Not all the time, but I notice it most in the morning when you are not prepared for me to be yelling and you tell me to please stop yelling. And it's typically because I'm reading the news and I start yelling well, about a, you're things. A, you're, well, it's just immediate fired up. You're just immediately <laughs> fired up about shit. You wake up. I don't want to say in a rage, um, but in a rage. I don't think I wake up in the rage. It's, I mean, it's pretty soon because as soon as I get my phone in my hand and open Twitter, it's. You're not even out of bed yet. Yeah, but I'm awake. <laughs> I mean, I've had some time to wake up and be. How dare you? What's happening right now? How did this turn into a, I, an attack on me? I don't know if you know, Brittany, but I'm a truth teller. Yeah. Can't stop me from telling the truth. I think we've learned that about you. <laughs> I think we've learned that. Anyway, Doreen, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Now on to more um, respectable topics, you know, news-related. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. This is Connor from Colorado. I'm just listening to 691 and hearing him say that elections by mail have found fraud, substantial fraud, is just bullshit. I live in Colorado, and we've done it for fucking years with no issues. They do the mail specially by weight and all kinds of other anti-whatever uh, measures. Um, so I just wanted to say that that is nonsense, and we have done that for years in Colorado. I, being 25 have actually never voted in person. I've only ever voted by mail. So there's that. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Jesse, you're pretty cool, too. Have a good day. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Well, folks, you heard it from Connor first. Donald Trump is full of shit. I mean, we we didn't know this before. I was kind of on the fence about it. Yeah, but now that Connor said it, yeah. I'm... We're ready to go. So um, it is interesting. That's an interesting point to me that there we are. We're moving into modernity here. We're moving into the future with with a group of voters who will know this as the way to vote. This is one. We should have moved this way a long fucking time ago. We should be using the Internet. We should. You know, I don't want to get all nerdy about shit that I don't really know about, but <laughs> using like blockchain, te- you know, the impenetrable security methods to secure the vote, to vote by mail. I was going to say blockchain, you know, like the fucking cryptocurrency nerds, but I don't know much about it. But anyway, there's there are ways that we can do it. Other nations do it. We just have these these arcane traditions that we follow, like voting on the first Tuesday after the first Monday of the month of November, that was all kind of centered around rich white landowners. And the reason we picked those dates was because they were Christian. They'd go to church on Sunday. And then Tuesday was had something to do with harvest time. And they did it in November because likely there was no farming going on. at the, Anyway, there's all this bullshit that we... Why the fuck are we still doing this? Let's, let's do what works for everyone and and not box out people who work hourly jobs and get fucked over and they can't take time off. We need to make it more equitable. So I would play the more you know drop if I had control of the drops. There it is. Perfect timing. I didn't know any of that, by the way, what you just said. I feel like you you just took me to school because I I did not know any of that about hmm. how how the voting date was selected and how that came to be. 
That's it's fascinating. That's the way I understand it. I mean, if I'm wrong, I would welcome, as always, welcome somebody to tell me that I'm a fucking idiot. But that's the way I understand it. I would just tell you that you were wrong, and it's okay to be wrong. No, no. You if were you get told you're wrong, you must be called a fucking idiot. I think that's also in the Constitution, <laughs> along with all the white people voting and farming and right, dates. Right. Well, <laughs> we we really appreciate Connor's voicemail, and thank you for calling into the show. And we appreciate all of our Colorado listeners. I think we have quite a few Colorado. I think when we, we used to have a map of... Patreon supporters in particular, and the most that we had was in Georgia. Yeah, oddly enough, Georgia. And I think Colorado was a pretty popular mm-hmm. one too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and then also Texas, and the next two calls are from Texas. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Jim in Houston, and I'm not sure how to get this across fully, but nobody's bringing this up. I mean, these are two glaring examples of where these Trump people have zero credibility, zero integrity, and they're off on a fantasy. This bit about hates the troops, man, the instant I, let alone criticize a war, and I would never criticize a fallen troop. People want to kick my ass. But he, Donald Trump, yo. And the whole thing about uh, QAnon and all these cannibalistic pedophiles, (laughs) Donald Trump wishes Ghislaine Maxwell well. Donald Trump has been on the Lolita Express. Donald Trump is a Jeffrey Epstein buddy. But yet he's trying to find all the pedophiles? He is a pedophile. So anyway, I... <sighs> Damn. I don't know. It's trip. Um, but yeah. Um, love the troops. Callan Kaepernick drops to a knee and loses his career and Donald Trump gets to shit over dead soldiers. So... I don't know, man. Love you guys. Let's hold hands and get through this together. Thanks. Uh, You're dancing. Do you hear the song? Yeah. Love Train, right? OJ's. The OJ's. Good job, Jesse. And I'm so happy because I could hear that. And yes, I was dancing. I just texted you head in the game. Because you're over there grooving and waving your arms in the air like it's a groovy time. Because in the background, quietly, you heard a song you love. I also think it was really fitting with the last <laughs> sentence there. We oh, ended yeah. on a really positive oh, note. So you were listening. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, listen, there. Th- this is something that that I, I struggle with, or I think I struggled with, and I've just gotten over it. And I think a lot of people still do, and that is trying to ascribe some logical metric to which, uh, by which these these Trumpers. The, these QAnon people, especially, oh, th- th- they're using this somehow, um, like, oh, it's, it makes total sense to them, and that's why. And if we could only show them how illogical it is, they change their mind. And that's not going to fucking work, because these people don't operate that way. It's also not how you change people's minds. Yeah, well, certain people, certainly. But, but what they're doing is they're sucked into a cult of personality around Donald Trump that, like, there was the one guy who was harassing me on YouTube and doxing me and making threats and shit online. Made the video of you in the crosshairs. That's that's exactly right. With the blood coming out. Yeah. And I don't, th- I don't think YouTube took that down. I think he took it down. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he blew my head off in a video with, a, with the crosshairs and a scope and all that. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that guy is, he's all in for Donald Trump. Even people he 
praised in in previous videos, mm-hmm. as soon as Trump turns on them, then they are a pariah. They are the devil. It, it, it's only about what Donald Trump likes and then what he doesn't like, they're all against. Mm-hmm. It's not logic. It's not, there's no science to it. Yeah, there's something that Donald Trump does for them. And part of it, I think, is making it comfortable to express uh, racist viewpoints yeah, oh, in public. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, the, the, other th- the other thing is, uh, listen to what he said. that it, it's, it's a conspiracy theory about cannibalistic pedophiles <laughs> like at the highest stations of our government and 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 in our society get the fuck out of here. what are you who who falls for that and thinks it's legit i mean that's goddamn i am connected to a few people on facebook who are now queuing on people and it it's really it's upsetting i actually I deleted someone the other day and I I don't do that very often. In fact, I can't remember the last time that I did it, but I finally just, well, you talked about doing it three or four separate days in a row where you're just like, why am I connected to this person? Yeah. Cause I, I keep seeing the QAnon posts. I keep seeing racist posts and this person has been the same way since we were were 16 and there's just no changing of the minds there's no getting through and i i just said to myself every time i see the post my heart rate increases and i (laughs) i don't need it in my life so i just i i finally did it i deleted it and it was a it was a slow burn and fuse though it took you a long time to pull the trigger on that yeah and we've talked about it a lot on the show we haven't talked about it recently but specifically like creating echo chambers on your social media And that's largely why I don't remove people. But what am I? I'm not going to be in an echo chamber because I'm not seeing QAnon posts. Like, I don't don't need to see this blatantly false information in order to be aware of QAnon. I'll read articles of investigative journalism about QAnon and how QAnon was created and what they're doing now. But from like an investigative journalist perspective. I don't right. need to see memes about yeah. it. You know, you don't need to, to look right into the horse's mouth to know. Absolutely. What not. the horse's mouth looks like. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final caller. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. Uh, this is Joseph uh, Riello, this, uh out of San Antonio, Texas. Uh, this is my first time calling, but I wanted to call about the, the entire military uh, Trump thing. Uh, you know, uh, Jesse, as a fellow uh, veteran, I'm glad that overall veterans are starting to see through uh, Trump's charade a little more. Um, I mean, I've always thought of him as a clown. But uh, um, based on, like, I think it was a Military Times poll where more veterans, almost half of the veterans now see it see him in an unfavorable view um i'm I'm just glad to see that it's uh it's encouraging um and uh i know uh as a marine you probably y'all tend to look down on air force us air force guys a little bit but um i have a lot of respect for you and the service you you did for the country um and i'm glad that like a like a veteran has a voice and a platform like you do so you can sort of maybe make other veterans feel more comfortable sort of deviating from the, the pack and letting it known that, that, you know, you don't have to like Trump. You don't have to like Republicans as a veteran. Cause that 
tends to be sort of like the, the uniform opinion a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to call to let you know I appreciated the last episode focusing more on that. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's all I had. Thank you. And, uh, Popeye is definitely the best part. Well, that makes up for the earlier diss that he received. <laughs> now, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't think he gives a fuck about whether he's the best part or not. You he, know, he, he cares more about napping. And his new cauliflower ear that he has, which is, we would have recorded this yesterday, but we were I at mean, the vet seriously, again. it's like a, a, a fucking billboard top 100 list of all the maladies with the goddamn guy. Yeah, he looks like a UFC fighter now. So, <laughs> uh, no, I loved, I loved what Joseph said there, because I think that's true of you, Jesse, that you are able to represent. I mean, you're obviously not a representative for veterans. You don't speak no, no. for all veterans. Brittany, I speak for all veterans. Yeah. <laughs> but what what he said there was true about being able to show that it's okay to step out of the mainstream. And, and we've talked about polls showing that veterans largely support Trump, largely Republican, conservative. That's not surprising yeah, to yeah. anybody. But when you were in the service, Jesse, did you primarily associate with other Republicans? That was the dominant thing. Was that like vocal? Um, I was a Republican then. So, mm-hmm. um, but, but no, there was all kinds of stripes. People came from all kinds of political viewpoints um, when I was in. And, and I think that that has largely, I don't know whether it's changed or not, but certainly going into Donald Trump, largely there was a support network there for him and his views. Now, I think as you go down the ranks, it, it uh, the strength for Donald Trump support grows. The more junior you are typically, because you, you're not educated, you know, you don't have a, you don't have degrees, you're, you're more just, you have an unsophisticated view of the world and politics in general. Hmm. And then your higher rank individual, I think they're, they're more nuanced in their views and they, they don't the it's a more disparate support of Donald Trump or any politician. So mm-hmm. um I am heartened to see that veterans are there is a, a, a dissipation of support for Donald Trump across all flavors of military. I think that's great. And and by the way, let me say, say this, Joseph. Any shitting on the Air Force I do is only strictly like inter-service rivalry. I have nothing but respect for all the services. I made a comment in a video the other day about the Coast Guard also being now part of the, of the military, meaning like the, the formal military. They're no longer a part of the Department of Tra- Transportation. And I got an email saying, why don't you do some fucking research before you say something? They're always, they've always been military. That's not what I meant to say. It also got a little bit more antagonistic yeah, than that. Yeah. They were like, P.S., I stepped over Marines and blah. I'm like, yeah, what yeah. is happening right now? This is, it's stuff I don't really understand. Yeah, I stay yeah. out of it, but I was a little freaked out. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you for your service. Um, it, it's important, no matter what branch you're in. I mean, you know, you chose the Air Force, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. He knows I'm fucking with him. It's fine. Yes. Everything's fucking fine. Everything's fine. Thank you for the calls, everybody. We appreciate the communication. If you, too, would like to sound off, get your voice on the record, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com.
Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. I'm still uh, dancing because Love Train is still stuck in my head. I just, I love Love Train. And for people who may be new listeners and don't know, it is the month of September. Oh, yeah. My favorite band is Earth, Wind, and Fire. And I think everybody knows that. And it's, like we said, the month of September, which is a big time because September is one of Earth, Wind, and Fire's biggest songs, probably their biggest song. And I always enjoy it because September 21st is like a second birthday for me because that's the date that they sing about in the song. And on September 21st, I get all these videos sent to me yeah, and everyone's tagging me in it. And it's it's nice. I love it. So yeah, uh, September 21st is like your Marine Corps birthday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When is the Marine Corps birthday? November 10th. November 10th. Yeah. All right. So we played the patreon thing so let's read those uh, <laughs> um kiko o kiko o steven g steven g john w john w and alex p alex p thank you very much to our new patreon supporters so great we appreciate you please do not forget that we have the patreon zoom calls for the people who are in the Zoom call tier on Patreon. We're having those at the end of the month. We always have them on the last Friday and the last Saturday of the month. So even though Marcus is trying to act like I changed the dates and ruined his life, they're, they've always been the same. Fucking awkward. Yeah, well, for him. And so Friday, September 25th at 7 p.m. Los Angeles time and Saturday, September 26th, at 11 a.m. Los Angeles time See, will be the Patreon call. We make it easy. It's not the first Tuesday after the first Monday of the month in November. <laughs> it, it's, it's an easy thing. It's the last Friday, the last Saturday of the month. It's pretty straightforward. Right on. The other ways you can support the show, of course, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app. If there is a mechanism by which that you're, that you can, uh, rate and review the show, do that. It helps. I don't know if they do it on, I don't really know anywhere else other than Apple Podcasts, but I know every once in a while we get a, an email saying, Hey, you got a new review. That's not really what they say, but you know, <laughs> that's how I feel. Sure. Like yeah. Trumpets going off and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other way that you can support the show is what, Brittany? Tell a friend. Yeah. Tell what, a friend. What am I thinking of here? Tweet us like the facebook page and interact with us on the facebook page if you have decided to keep your facebook and contribute to the hell society that we're living in that uh (laughs) the unelected official most powerful man in the world mark zuckerberg is raining down on all of us yeah yeah all right good times let's move on Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Donald Trump just keeps stepping on his dick over and over and over again. 
Wasn't that the theme of the previous episode? I did say stepping on dicks a lot. Mm-hmm. But it, it, I mean, really, he is stepping in shit. He's doing something where he's stepping on something. Mm-hmm. Because it's gaff after gaff after gaff. More information is being released. Now there's whistleblowers coming out and, and revealing things. It's just everybody knows this is serious. And it's time to get this motherfucker out of office. And they're starting to re- reveal the deets. Yeah. The first thing we're going to talk about is that Bob Woodward, famed journalist that was uh, instrumental in Nixon being impeached and then not removed through impeachment, but resigning because of the impeachment and impending removal through impeachment. Um, he is writing a book, another book about Donald Trump. He's done a series of interviews with Donald Trump, some off the record, some on, some taped, some not. And um, we're going to get to my criticism, I think our criticism of Bob Woodward. He, he, he released, I don't know if he released or somehow CNN or whoever, I think maybe the Washington Post got this audio. I guess maybe I'll get to it here rather than just keep talking of, of Donald Trump admitting things in private to Bob Woodward that, that is the exact opposite of what he was telling the American people at the very beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. First, we're going to start with a February 7th snippet of audio where Donald Trump admits that he is purposefully playing it down to the American people. He knew how serious the virus was. He knew how easily transmitted it was on February 7th. And so what was uh, President Xi saying yesterday? Well, we were talking mostly about the uh, the virus, and I think he's going to have it in good shape, but, you know, it's a very tricky situation. It's, uh, Indeed it goes, it, it goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch, you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air. That's how it's, uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, it's also more deadly than your, you know, your, even your strenuous flus. You know, people don't realize we lose 25,000, 30,000 people a year here. Who, who would ever think that, right? I know. It's, I mean, much it's pretty forgotten. amazing. And uh, then I say, well, is that the same thing? For, this is uh, more right. deadly. This is five per, you know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%. You know, so this is deadly stuff. So this was in February, like you said. Beginning of February. And I actually, I want to read a tweet from Donald Trump, which is from early March. This is from March 9th. And this says, so last year, 37,000 Americans died from the common flu. It averages between 27,000 and 70,000 per year. Nothing is shut down. Life and the economy go on. At this moment, there are 546 confirmed cases of coronavirus with 22 deaths. Think about that. So this is about a month later, and he's using his massive platform to downplay the coronavirus, to compare it to the flu. And you may remember a lot of people were doing this in early March. I think even uh, us on this show, we were not fully grasping the situation. And that was largely because of the information coming out. It was tough to follow. It was confusing. We didn't know what was going on. But he was the president and he has the top officials surrounding him. He had the information and he did have the information as evidenced by the tape that you just heard that was recorded in February, a month before he was tweeting this bullshit about the flu. Yeah. And I mean, we obviously know that this is ridiculous now, 
the the comparison to the flu because we have what 190,000 yeah. are dead 190,000 coronavirus now and that's with everything being shut down. So the flu comparison that's gone. Hopefully no one is doing that anymore. Well, w- what bothers me about it is he knows in, in in he knows. We know now that he knew that it's not just him being a dummy. He knew the gravity of the situation. He knew details we didn't know then. But then publicly and listen, and this is the other thing. He came out and he said that, um, well, I was just trying to, you know, not have people panic. Mm-hmm. But he, he, what he was saying is the same way he was governing. Right. So he was saying it's no big deal, but he was also governing and, and, um, orchestrating a government response as though it was no big deal. Right. He could have done the right fucking thing and absolutely uh, decreased our death toll right now, mm-hmm. but he did not. Yeah. In fact, here's, here's Kaylee McEnany. This is, these are beautiful moments when we have, um, audio to juxtapose the position of the White House and then Donald Trump. The president never downplayed the virus. The president never downplayed the virus. The president never downplayed the virus, she says indignantly. I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Which which may have been fine, by the way. Downplaying the virus. I, I can see someone making the argument that they want to not create panic. But the thing is, he didn't work to improve testing capabilities. Right. He, he didn't secure PPE for right, medical workers. Exactly. He didn't do these things that he was... He didn't encourage wearing a fucking mask. Under continuous pressure, by the way. To do these things. Yes. And he still wouldn't do these things, knowing how serious it was starting in February. So imagine the number of lives that could have been saved. And and this is also a criticism for Bob Woodward, because he sat on this tape until he's ready to sell his book. fuck him. Fuck that guy. How many thousands of lives could have been saved? I I heard a doctor on the news today say that he believes of the 190,000 that are dead... 180,000 lives could have been saved. Wow. I mean, that's, I I don't know if if maybe he's just being hyperbolic, but that is a stark, that is a stark contrast. They're saying right now that if everybody, if we had 95% of people wearing masks in America, we could save another 65,000 lives before the end of the year. Mm Mm-hmm. And still, we have these fucking Trump people who are not wearing a mask. Donald Trump, baby! Because Donald Trump makes fun of it. Donald Trump never wears one. He's, he's not, he's a, he's a dangerous, it's not just like, ah, he's not really doing a very good job. He's doing the antithesis of a good job. He's doing a bad job. He's leading people astray, sparking conspiracy theories Mm -hmm. about child trafficking if you have your kid wear a mask. Yeah, I wonder also, because I I know some liberals who also struggle with the mask thing, and I wonder how much of it is like a masculinity issue for people, too, where that's kind of overriding their sense of safety and concern for Hmm. others is that they don't want to look like uh, not masculine. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, that is stupid if that's the case Mm -hmm. because it's not about you. It is. Listen, if you're one of those people out there and you're not wearing a mask because you think you make, make, you think it makes you look like a pussy, you're a pussy. 
Because you're not looking out for those around you. That's what a mask is for. It's to prevent other people from getting sick. It will mitigate the risk for you. But really, the benefit is for others around you. It means you don't fucking care about those around you if you choose to not wear a mask. Plain and simple. Plain and fucking simple. And Donald Trump was just this week at his rally where they passed out the masks to people that were only in the frame of the shot. Right. And then everyone else, if you zoomed out of the shot, they weren't wearing masks. And Donald Trump, by the way, close to those people. Especially when people who were wearing the mask would pull them down to hoot and holler. (laughs) They really were. Really just projecting the droplets and the spittle all over him. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, listen, I'm not saying I want him to get coronavirus, but I fucking want him to get coronavirus. Oh, it is. It is. It is. It is time. It is time. (laughs) Oh, my God. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollimore are solely those of Jesse Dollimore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. And furthermore, well, not furthermore, we're just going to move on. So... The, the other the, the other moment of this audio that's been released is from March nineteenth. One of the other one of the other um, problematic areas with Donald Trump and his his aversion to facts related to the coronavirus is this constant drum he's beating about children being immune from the virus, children not being able to transmit the virus to other people. And we know now that back on March nineteenth. He knew that not to be true. Now it's turning out it's not just old people, Bob. Just today and, and yesterday, some startling facts came out. It's not just old, older yeah, exactly. young people to plenty of young people. So give me a... So this clip reminded me of the people who keep trying to act like they have some sort of expertise in uh, clinical psychology and psychopathology and and diagnosing cognitive impairment specifically related to world leaders that they've never met or interacted with and haven't uh, witnessed over time. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So (laughs) Donald Trump, right, is able to articulate the information that he has learned there. He's able to say, well, Bob, listen, it's actually not just adults. It's also kids they're showing are also vulnerable to this disease. He's got a a, a grip on the timeline. It was actually yesterday. Some startling new details just came out. And he's able to then go out into the public and manipulate and lie when he has the real knowledge in order to, in his words, not create a panic. So is Donald Trump, this is like the George W. Bush question. Right. With the people who believe that he's dumb, but that he also orchestrated 9-11. Right. So is he dumb or is he the greatest mastermind behind the terrorist attack on 9-11? Well, I think more accurately, it wouldn't be whether he's dumb. It's whether he is in like like his brain is melting away that he's senile or or whatever, because he's a dumb. He is a dumb guy. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's like people believing about George Bush. It's either that George Bush is dumb or he's the greatest mastermind behind 9-11. And it's the same thing with Donald Trump. Either he is cognitively impaired and you see signs of dementia or he's this manipulative figure that is able to lie and cheat and 
fool people right. when he knows the truth and he's actually a bad actor. Because he's orchestrating a manipulative messaging strategy here to tell the opposite of what he knows to be true. That's not the, that's not the behavior of someone whose brain is on the fritz. Right. So I would just pose that question to all the people who like retweet that five second video of him walking to the helicopter, but then walking over to the puddle as though that's evidence of cognitive impairment when he's currently walking over there to like get away from the cameras and wait for Melania to get on the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just bothers me the the fervor with which certain groups of people are intent on believing that he has to be suffering from dementia. It doesn't help the narrative at all. It, it just doesn't. I mean, if anything, it gives him a fucking out. But about the specific content of this call, though, what he's saying here is he understands the danger to children and the danger that children present to everyone else through transmission, and he still enacts policies, opposes policies that would mitigate that risk. He's putting American lives at risk, and no doubt a number, who knows the number, of Americans are dead because of his inaction and opposition to sane, legitimate strategies to combat the virus. That, I mean, that's it. We've got the proof. Smoking fucking gun. Now the question is, will people care? Will it matter? <laughs> well, not for that certain um, immovable, evaporatable um, or unevaporatable level of support. <laughs> which is tragic. Which yeah, is, yeah. is truly tragic. This guy's not going anywhere. Trump, baby. Our guy. He's not going anywhere. Don't call him our guy. That's our guy right there. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? So, um, we're going to keep talking about this. I think more audio is going to be coming out. I think more details are going to be coming out about Donald Trump over the course of the next 60 days, it's going to be a fucking bummer for him. Yeah. And it's going to be him scrambling to get out there in the Rose Garden and make, or wherever he was today when he made a statement about thinking that Ted Cruz and Tom Cotton from Arizona are going to be on his short list for the Supreme Court. Let me tell you. One, <laughs> fuck off, Donald Trump. Two, please, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, please. Yeah. Lock yourself in a hermetically sealed bubble. Do something. Yeah, don't. You gotta stay with us. Don't officiate weddings. Yeah, with no mask on. What is... Fucking ding-dongs. I could not believe that when I saw that picture. I was yeah. hoping it was photoshopped. That was just crazy. Do yeah. not invite her to officiate your wedding right yeah, now. That is inappropriate. No good. And then the other thing is this new re revelation right now today that a whistleblower has come forward talking about how Chad Wolf and Ken Cuccinelli from the Department of Homeland Security are now uh, editing intelligence to downplay the Russian influence in the election and the white supremacist threat relative to domestic terrorism. Serious allegations from a whistleblower in the Department of Homeland Security. He is accusing acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf, as well as Ken Cuccinelli, the acting head of Citizenship Services, of repeatedly directing officials to alter intelligence reports to line up with the president's misleading public comments. Both Wolf and Cuccinelli tried to alter a report to downplay the threat posed by white 
supremacists while bolstering the threat that leftist groups pose out of concern about how the initial language on white supremacy would reflect on the president. This is according to documents that have been reviewed by CNN as well as a source familiar with the situation. I want to go to CNN senior justice correspondent Evan Perez. Evan, who is this whistleblower and what does he say he was instructed to do? Well, Brianna, uh, his name is Brian Murphy, and he ran the Homeland Security's intelligence uh, section. And they, what they do is they provide these intelligence reports that get sent out to state and local governments uh, to know what is happening uh, you know, across the country with regard to intelligence, what the intelligence that they're getting. And one of the things that he says in this, in this uh, complaint that he has filed with the Homeland Security Inspector General is that, according to him, Chad Wolf, Ken Cuccinelli, urged him to essentially match what the president is saying outside on the campaign trail, what the president has been saying and the White House has been saying from the White House uh, regarding, uh, regarding the threat from Antifa and anarchist groups, that the intelligence report should be coming, uh, that should match what the, uh, the president has been saying, that they, there's a greater threat from these leftist groups and less of a threat from these white supremacist groups that the Homeland Security Department was trying to issue a warning on, uh, about. There's a separate uh, allegation that he has now made, uh, by the way, Brianna. He says that, uh, according to him, uh, the department was also instructed to downplay the threat from Russia with regard to election interference and to emphasize the threat that was posed by China. Now, that also matches the rhetoric from the president who doesn't really want to hear we've heard this repeatedly from uh, from officials uh, who left the department and who left the, the administration the president doesn't really want to hear about the threat from russia he wants to hear about the threat posed by china in part because the russians are trying to help his re-election uh, according to the intelligence community so these are now uh, reports that are being filed by the homeland security uh, inspector general and we expect that Democrats at the House uh, Intelligence Committee are going to call Brian Murphy to testify to hear more about these allegations. Again, that these top officials were getting instructions from senior officials at the White House on how to match these intelligence reports with what the president is saying. Listen, this is another one of those situations where this is not surprising, but it should remain fucking alarming to you. And it's not even about, oh, this is all presidents do this campaign thing where they're trying to blah, blah, blah. No, this is not. This is not normal. This is not usual. This is playing up something that is not a threat to the nation, Antifa, and, and downplaying an actual domestic terror threat in white supremacist groups all over the country. It is downplaying a very real threat to our democracy in Russia interfering. The other thing that came out today is Dan Coates, the former director of national intelligence, said that he always had this like burning, low-grade suspicion that, that Putin had something on Donald Trump. That's Dan Coates, Republican, former senator from Indiana. Wow. That's a, that's a big fucking deal. Yeah. And listen... Once we're through the, through the woods here and Biden is president, I think a lot of this is going to come, come, come to fruition. We're going to understand a lot more that's, that, that's not being able to be known right now because of the fact that Donald Trump is president and he has all of these fucking sycophants all around him that are willing to, to meddle in intelligence gathering and intelligence reporting to, to secure Donald Trump's power. This is, this is, 
this is fascism. This is this is an authoritarian power grab. Well, and the people who still support Trump try to corrupt the message and say you just don't like his style. You just don't like the things he says. You don't yeah. like him because he says what everyone is thinking. You think he's too uh, politically not correct. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and no, there are real concerns aside from the fact that he's a dick and yeah, volatile. Absolutely. I mean, this is just constant. These news stories coming out. Today, I felt as though we were just being inundated. It was one after the other, and we yeah. sat here thinking, we need to do a show right now, because there's going to be yeah. more coming out tomorrow, there's going to be more the next day, and sometimes you just feel like you're lost in it, because you're drowning. We had planned to talk about Louis DeJoy, oh, by the way, I purposely say his name wrong, it's Lu- Louis DeJoy, and his stock, how he, or not stocks, but his his campaign contributions, he was paying he was having his employees, his executive staff, make con- political contributions and then giving them a b- bonuses above and beyond in their pay that would even cover the taxes and stuff. It, bad news stuff. And we pushed it because all of this other stuff is happening. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the news cycle is going to continue like this and, and we, we, we cannot let it inundate us. We have to stay as engaged as we possibly can and talk to our neighbors, talk to our friends talk to our family, and get them politically engaged and fired up enough to go vote. And listen to... I fucking important. Listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore as a family. That is even more important. Together. Oh, yeah. Taking care of biz. The D.C. government... Wow, the government of Washington, D.C. Yeah. Taking care of biz. They are planning to cover the monthly internet bills for about 25,000 low-income families who have students in the city's traditional public and charter schools. Well, one, one... Internet corp- company should be doing this as a as some kind of a tax write-off charity, making certain that their customers... Um, or even people who aren't customers have access so their kids can go to school. Absolutely. It's a failure of capitalism that they do not. But, but in, but in the, in the stead of them not doing it, uh, municipalities all over the country should be taking care of this. Yeah. And it's good that DC is stepping up. Yeah. And they, they finalized negotiations with two private internet providers, Comcast and RCN, whatever that is, <laughs> to provide internet for families who receive food stamps or other public assistance. So they're going to start reaching out and contacting eligible families starting this week to see if they want internet provided to them. And this comes at a really, a really important time when kids are going back to school and a lot of them are not going back into classrooms. They're learning from home yeah. and it's virtual learning. And I don't know if you saw Jesse, but there was a tweet that went viral and it was two young kids sitting outside of a Taco Bell using the free Taco Bell Wi-Fi to complete their homework. And they were Ugh. sitting on the ground outside of a Taco Bell. That's America in 2020. Yeah. And th- there were a lot of responses to it. There was one where I saw someone talking about how much grit the kids had. And I don't know why that rubbed me the wrong way. But I I think there's a lot of emphasis on like having grit and, oh, uh, you need to have all this grit to rugged, get by. Rugged individualism kind of bullshit. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's like rugged individualism rebranded. And 
they shouldn't have to do that. I, I, they shouldn't have to be talked about how they have grit. They're elementary students. Yeah, they should be provided internet in their home so that they aren't sitting in a Taco Bell parking lot trying to do their homework with all kinds of distractions around. Yeah, yeah. They should be comfortable at their home and provided with internet. You can't you can't survive without internet. Republicans used to talk about uh, people getting cable and internet and lobster as though they're living high yeah. on the hog in poverty. More Americans have color TVs and microwaves that yeah. are on welfare than in blah, blah, blah country who are middle class. Yeah, I love I love when conservatives try to act like poor people have it so good. Oh, yeah. Well, then why don't you give up your job and give up your lifestyle and just quit? And go on public assistance because it's such a great life, yeah, right? Lap of luxury, yeah, baby. It's, it's a good time. There's no stress. Everything's paid for. Yeah, right. You know that's not true. Yeah. That's why you don't do that. Anyway, we're getting off track. We're happy that DC <laughs> is doing the right thing, and we hope that other cities will follow. Absolutely. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think. 657 464 7609. Of course, you can always email those voicemails. Voice memos from your smartphone, but also, you know, old-fashioned emails to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for engaging with the show. Thanks for your support of the show on Patreon. We are a listener-produced, listener-supported operation here. If you are considering it and you'd like to know how to learn more, go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. Thanks. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt.